That's right. John Westfall is quick. He saw me. All right. <laughs> Our New Philly, we are continuing Women's Ministry Month here in the month of June. And so every Sunday we've had uh, our female worship leaders. Today you saw uh, Pastor Hewan leading uh, worship for us today. Uh, and also female preachers of the house uh, rising up to uh, really deliver the word. And so today we have Lisa Kim, our missions director, is preaching over our Itaewon campus. And here at Hillside, we have a special treat. We have one of our core leaders. She is also the director of a ministry called Unearth, uh, which is a prayer ministry. And uh, they go out to uh, minister to those who are trapped in the human trafficking industry as well as those who are perpetuating it. And so it's a, it's a ministry of prayer, and they do prayer walks through the red light districts, things like that. And that's called Unearth. She's the director of Unearth, but she's also a very special leader and also serves as an admin for our church. And she is also a powerful preacher. And so she's going to be bringing the word here today. All right. So let's put our hands together for Cassandra Robertson. Good afternoon. Just want to like <laughs> when I preached at Itaewon on a Sunday in January, and my scope of vision was like half the size. So I need to, uh, yeah. Good morning. Good afternoon. How are you? Are you feeling good today? Yeah. yeah? Um. You know. When someone shares a testimony about what God has done in their life, doesn't it just bless you every single time? Like how God works so powerfully in someone's life and you hear it and then, and then almost you just want to claim that for yourself, right? You want to claim that own testimony for yourself because it was so awesome and you want God to do the same thing in your life, right? So today um, we're going to look at a testimony of some something amazing and powerful that God did in the word. And we're going to look at the testimony of this man. And I want us, as we're listening to this and as we're reading through the word and digging through this passage, that we're going to claim this testimony for ourselves. Amen? Amen. Are you guys going to claim it for yourself? Okay, so I want you to say really loudly, this testimony is mine. This testimony is mine. Amen. All right. Uh, let's open up the word to Mark chapter 10. We're going to look at verse... Oh, man, I had it, and then the air conditioning. All right, 10, Mark 10, verse... We're going to start at verse 46. We're going to be looking at the testimony of a man named Bartimaeus and the powerful thing that Jesus did for him. So as you open up, uh, let me just pray for us quickly. Uh, Father, I thank you for the word that you have given to us today to hear, to receive. I thank you for the testimony of this man, Bartimaeus. And though uh, he's not a person right now that tells us his testimony face to face, but God, we read your word and we take it as living and active. And we read this word and we take and claim this testimony for our own. So I thank you, God, for this word. And I thank you that every person in this room is ready and the soil in their hearts is ready to hear and receive this word today. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So, um, yeah, let me read. (laughs) I forgot to read it first. 
That's okay. Let me, um, Mark 10, verse 46. I'm going to read this passage for us, so just follow along. I'm reading through the ESV, in the ESV version. So it says, And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Man, isn't that powerful? Even we haven't even dug into it yet, but it's already powerful and it's already working, isn't it? (laughs) Um, So the context of this passage is that it's Passover season, okay? So Passover is one of the biggest uh, festivals in the, in, for the Jews. It's the time when they celebrate what God did at the time of Exodus when they were leaving Egypt. They celebrate how God took them out of slavery and brought them into freedom. And so here, it's this time of Passover. And they are celebrating it. And so it says, they came to Jerusalem, and they were, they were on their way. Uh, I'm sorry, they came through Jericho, they were on their way to Jerusalem, okay? So the temple was in Jerusalem, and not everyone lived there, right? So they have to make their way, they have to make the journey to Jerusalem to go to the temple to celebrate Passover. And so Jesus is going, and Jesus was a very famous, very well-known rabbi teacher at that time. And so as he's making his way to Jerusalem, he's gathering this huge crowd of people who are following him, right? They want to go with him. They want to be with him on the journey as they're making their way to Jerusalem. And so um, they're going there, and Bartimaeus is sitting on the side of the road. And Bartimaeus is a blind man, and he's poor. He's a beggar. And so he's sitting on the side of the road, just, you know, begging for coins, hoping to get some coins, hoping to get some money so he can live, right? And, um, this was any normal day for Bartimaeus. This is what he did every day. He didn't have a job. He didn't have, you know, something to do. But this is what he did every day. So it was a normal day. But if you can imagine, he's sitting on the road. And a huge crowd is coming through. And they're going on their way to Jerusalem. Right? So he can't see anything. But he's, he can hear Right? A lot of times when you're, you know, if you're, if you're blind or if you're, you're deaf, other senses are heightened more, right? So his, his hearing is heightened. So he's on the road, sitting on this, on, on this uh, roadside, and he can hear the commotion coming. He hears the commotion. He can hear the extra people. He hears what's happening. And maybe he's thinking, you know, what is this? What is this? I don't know. I don't know what he was hearing, and I don't know if... You know, he heard people talking, or if he heard people mentioning the name of Jesus, but suddenly, this was not any normal day anymore. Because this, this roadside that he sat by every day, now this is the street, this is the way that Jesus is going to suddenly pass by. 
Okay, so he hears that Jesus is coming. And <clears throat> give me a sec. <laughs> um, he hears that Jesus is coming, and for a blind man, a beggar, knowing that Jesus is this powerful minister, this powerful teacher, this powerful prophet who is doing signs and wonders and miracles all across the land, you know that he had heard about this, right? And so he's thinking, this is it. This is it. Finally, my day has come. This right now is my Kairos moment, right? Do you guys know what a Kairos moment is? It's when, you know, there's two different times, uh, kinds of time. It's the chronological time that happens, you know, chronologically. And then there's the Kairos moment where it's a sudden, it's a it's an God-ordained moment, right? And this was Bartimaeus' Kairos moment. He knows Jesus is about to come down this road. This is my day. This is my chance, right? And so um, he... He couldn't go to Jerusalem, okay? He's blind. He can't lead himself there. And he was a beggar and someone who was disabled. So in society, he was an outcast. And so it wasn't just like someone was going to say, hey, let's go to Jerusalem together. You know, let me help you out. He can't go to Jerusalem. And so he can't celebrate Passover. He can't just go to the temple hoping that he might get healed, He can't just go and seek Jesus and try to find him and say, I need healing. Please pray for me. This is his one shot. This is his one moment, right? And so the word says, he was sitting by the roadside, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, right? Can you imagine? He's sitting there. Okay, he's blind, So he doesn't know if Jesus is right here. He doesn't know if Jesus already passed. He doesn't know if Jesus is yet to come. He doesn't know where Jesus is, but he knows it's his time, so he's got to do something. So he's like, Jesus, son of David, right? He's just screaming. There's already so much noise and so much commotion from everybody walking past, but he's got to make himself heard. So he's screaming and yelling out and crying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And if you look what happens next, the people start to rebuke him. Right? I mean, you guys know, if you're out in public and people just start yelling, it's quite annoying. It's like, shut up, you know? <laughs> so I, I'm, you know, they're on their way to Passover. They are going for this holy sacrament. They're going for this holy um, festival. And they're with Jesus. And he's like, the one. You know, he's Jesus. He's the rabbi that you want to be with. Like, would you quit? You're ruining my journey to Jerusalem. Shut up, right? So they're rebuking him, okay? Because he doesn't matter to them. He's an outcast. And he's sitting on the roadside. Do you know what that would be like to sit on a dirt roadside and have hordes of people walk past you? It's not going to be clean. You can't breathe. I can guarantee you people were kicking dirt at him. But if you look, it says next. I love this part so much. It says, but he cried out all the more. (laughs) 
This guy is stubborn, right? It's like my style. <laughs> Somebody tells me not to do something, and I'm like, okay, I do it all the more, right? Except when it's rebellious. <laughs> and then I submit, right? <laughs> so he cries out all the more. He's like, I don't care who you are and what you say. I don't care if you kick dirt on me. I don't care if you shove me. I don't care if you stomp on me. I don't care if you walk on me. This is my day. This is my Kairos one. I'm going to get me mine, right? So he's like, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Crying out, crying out. Man, when was the last time we cried out like that in desperation? When was the last time that we were so desperate to meet Jesus? We were so desperate for Jesus to hear us that we didn't care who told us to shut up. We didn't care who persecuted us. We didn't care who kicked dirt on us. We didn't care who did anything to us. We cried out all the more. Oh, I'm so convicting as I read that. It's like, man, I'm so stubborn in all these other areas. And it's like, you tell me not to do it, and I do it. But if someone's like, um, I don't really appreciate that you're talking about Jesus in the workplace. I'm like, oh, okay. You know? <laughs> like, what is that? So anyway, it was convicting for me. So, uh, so he's crying out. And if you notice, actually, he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David was an Old Testament prophetic reference to the Messiah. Okay? So he's not just calling out Jesus. He's not just calling out Jesus of Nazareth as everyone else did. Right? Actually, in Mark, this is the first time where he is referred to as that. In the whole Gospel of Mark, this is the first time. It's this blind beggar on the side of the road who understands he's Jesus, son of David. He's the Messiah, right? And everyone else that's walking to Jerusalem with Jesus, they're going there. They're doing their holy duties. They are, um, you know, walking with their rabbi. And to him, he's just Jesus of Nazareth. He's just a man. He's just a teacher, but to this Bartimaeus on the side of the road, he's the Messiah. So he knows. Okay, so there's, there's already a different expectation by the way he's addressing him. He's not just saying, uh, teacher, can you teach me something? He's saying, Messiah, son of God, sent one, have mercy on me. And... Probably to everyone's su surprise, including Bartimaeus's, if you look in the passage, it says, and Jesus stopped. He stopped. So all this commotion, all the people, all the footsteps, all the dust, all the shouting, all the rebuking, it stops. Jesus is the leader of this pack. They're following him. And so it stops. And Bartimaeus can't see it, but he can hear it. What do you think he's thinking at that moment? Oh, oh. I think he heard my voice. You know? <laughs> he stops. And then Jesus says, call him. And the funny thing is, is that the people who just rebuked him, 
the people who are just telling him to shut up because he's not good enough to call out to Jesus, the people who are just kicking dirt on him, he says, you call him. Go bring him to me, right? It's like that unsaid rebuke discipline, you know, where it's like, I don't know, in class, you and this kid, you know you don't like each other, and then the teacher's like, um, we're going to do partners today, and you're going to be with so-and-so. And you're like, oh, but you know the teacher knows, and you know you know, but you can't say anything about it. It's like, I don't know what their heart was, but I imagine it was something like that, right? And so, I'm just talking. I don't even know where I'm in my notes right now. <laughs> Uh huh. <laughs> okay. And so they say to him, Take heart. Get up. He's calling you. And it was already a Kairos moment for him, right? It was already that moment that he knew that, that this was his day. This was his time. But right now, at that time, they said to him, Get up. Jesus is calling you. He knows. Everything is going to change. It is not going to be the same anymore after this. Because before, I knew it was my Kairos moment, but I had to get it. I had to call out for it. I had to hope that it, you know, hope that Jesus would hear me. But now I know he's heard me, and now he's called me. Oh, everything's about to change, right? When Jesus calls us, you better believe everything is going to change. <laughs> Jesus calls your name and everything is about to change. It can't remain the same after that. He's Jesus. He's the son of David. He's the Messiah. It can't be the same anymore after he calls you. And Bartimaeus has this revelation. He knows everything right now is about to change. He's about to step into a new level. You guys like that, huh? We like that saying, don't we? I'm going to a new level. It's a new season. It's a new time. I claim that new season, right? So part of me is doing, it is my new season. It's my time. I'm, go I'm going up. Next level. That guy, his ceiling is my floor. Going up, right? Can you guys relate? We want that so bad, don't we? Of course we do. We don't want to stay where we're at. We don't want to stay sitting on the side of the roadside. We want to go to the next level. We want everything to change, right? We want to go up. We want a new season, and we're crying out. I mean, if you just even search yourself right now, how many of you are crying out for a new season? How many of you have been crying out for something new, for God to change you, for God to touch you in a new way? Right? We can relate, can't we? So part of this passage that stuck out to me the most wasn't what Bartimaeus did up to this point. It wasn't his persistence in calling out. It wasn't that he didn't let persecution stop him. 
It wasn't that he just pressed on. It wasn't that he knew that God, that Jesus was God. It wasn't that he knew he was the Messiah and other people didn't. The part that stuck out to me the most was what he did immediately after this. When they said, they said, get up, take heart, get up, he's calling you. And then it says, and throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. He threw off his cloak. The look on your face tells me that you feel exactly how I felt when I read this. It's like, that's kind of one of those parts that's a little bit like, it's the word of God, so you know it's there for a reason, but it's a little bit one of those just, you know, quickly pass it by and get onto the good stuff, right? But if you look, this is one of the most... This is one of the most amazing parts about this passage, okay? So a cloak, at that time, it was an outer garment. It wasn't the clothes, but it was the outer garment. It was made of a heavy material, and it was worn kind of like a cape, right? So it didn't have armholes like a coat or a robe or something. It's kind of like a cape. It drapes around you, and it's tied here on the neck. And they, uh, they wore it to protect their clothing, or to protect their own body or their skin from the elements, right? From the sun, from the cold, from the wind, from the sand. Okay, so this is like a protective outer garment. But when I was reading it, I was like, you know that this is the Messiah. You know that this is your Kairos moment. You know that everything is about to change for you. And instead of just getting up and bolting it to Jesus, you take time to take off your cloak. Why? <laughs> just get up and go, right? Why are you worrying about the cloak? Okay? But see, for Bartimaeus, it may seem like it would cost him time at the beginning. But actually for him, it was more detrimental to keep the cloak on because he is a man who sits every day on the side of the road because he cannot see. He wears his cloak every day, and if he were to get up, he cannot see if it's kind of tangled. He can't see if it's tied weird. He can't see if it's on weird, right? So if he gets up to just bolt it, it's going to hinder him. It's going to actually hinder him from going to Jesus. It's going to trip him up. Right? What if he steps on it as he gets up? What if he's going and someone else in the crowd that he doesn't see is there steps on it and he falls? It's actually more of a hindrance for him to keep this cloak on. Um, I think it was like two weeks ago, a group of us, we went paragliding. So awesome. Paragliding is you have like a parachute on, and then <clears throat> you run, and then you jump off the side of a mountain, and then you glide. So it's kind of like uh, what's, oh, skydiving, but without the airplane. You just jump off a mountain instead. So <clears throat> it was awesome. It was so fun. And so they, they strapped us up. We went tandem. Like, I didn't go by myself. And so... You had the guy behind you who's a professional and strap you in. And he says, 
before, I mean, they prep you, right? Before you go, he's like, whatever you do, just run. Just run. Don't jump. Don't sit down. Don't stop. Just run. Because if you fall, I'm going to fall. And if you stop, this thing is not going to pick up any air, right? He's like, just run, okay? So <laughs> you're on the side of a mountain, okay? But the video, if you guys, Louis posted a video. It's really funny. And I was watching my video, and it's like, you know, the guy, he's facing the other way, trying to make sure the parachute gets up. He was like, okay, run. And so I'm like, I go nowhere, right? I just stand there, and it's like, nothing. And it's funny, this video, it's like my legs are like doing this, and I'm going nowhere. And I was like, you know, finally, we, we, we get to it. But, I mean, that guy behind you, and we had this backpack, and it had this, like, big seat on the bottom, because when you land, you have to land on your butt. So it has this big, like, cushion in your butt. It was so funny. You should see pictures. I think Westfall has a picture of that, you know. Um, anyway, you've got this pack on with this big butt, and then you've got this guy behind you, and you've got a parachute, and he's saying, run, you don't get anywhere, okay? So it's, <laughs> it's like that. You know, you got a parachute on, you try to run, you're not going to go anywhere. If you want to fly, you need the parachute, okay? But if you want to run, you got to take it off. You can't run with a parachute on your back, that's stupid. <laughs> right? Same thing for Bartimaeus, right? To him, this cloak was only a hindrance. It was only something that was going to get in the way of him getting his moment. He's wanting healing. He wants to see. He's a blind man. He's been blind his whole life. He wants to see. He'll take a second to take that cloak off if that's what it takes, right? Hebrews 12, verse 1. I like the NIV version better than the ESV, and it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Right? It says, throw it off. It doesn't say, retie it. It doesn't say, fiddle with it. It doesn't say, Get it situated so it's in the right spot. It says throw it off because it's a hindrance to you. And if you're going to run this race, you cannot be hindered. If you're going to run a race with perseverance, you cannot be hindered. You cannot be entangled, right? Throw it off. And Bartimaeus did exactly that. He, he threw off what was going to hinder him. And he, man, he had eyes fixed on Jesus. Pun intended. Okay? He's blind. Did you get that? Did you get it? <laughs> Laugh! <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> As I'm speaking, I want you guys to really begin to think about your own life, your own cloak, right? 
What kind of cloak do you have on? Everybody wore a cloak. It wasn't just like the beggar wore a cloak. Everyone wore a cloak. What kind of cloak do you have on? What is hindering you? What is stopping you from running harder? Right? I want you guys to think about this. As I'm talking about the cloak, it's not just Bartimaeus' cloak. It's not just a story in the Bible. At the beginning, I told you this is a testimony. This is your testimony. Okay? Claim it. And so let's think about our own cloak, right? So first, um, Bartimaeus threw it off because it was hindering him and it was slowing him down. Okay? And there was another reason. Number two, he, he tore that cloak off because for him it carried a false identity. So he is a disabled man. He's a blind man. He's a poor beggar. He's shunned by society. And the cloak looked like a beggar's cloak. It labeled him as a beggar to everyone else, right? Because he sat on the side of the road day in and day out. His cloak was dirty. It was dusty. It probably had holes in it. It was probably very old because he's poor. He can't buy a new one. This is one of his only possessions. It labeled him as a beggar, right? And he knows that Jesus is calling him and it's, it's his time and he's expecting something new in his life. And he cannot... Go and claim his new season when he is wearing an old beggar cloak. He's got to throw it off. I'm not going to go run to Jesus wearing my old stuff. I'm not going to run to Jesus with my dust-filled cloak. I'm, I'm taking it off. Because it's a new season for me. I know something else is coming. So that's fine. If I lose it, I'll get something else. Right? You know, as I was thinking about this, I don't know why, this is like the weirdest analogy, but I was thinking about a businessman, right? So let's say they're in some kind of place, businessmen, they're all in their suit, it's all buttoned, and then, you know, starts to be a little talk, a little bit of like, you know, banter back and forth. And so we're going to take this outside. All right, it's going to be a fight, right? So these guys, they go outside, right? Because inside, he's a businessman. He's a gentleman. He's wearing his coat. He's got it buttoned. But I'm going to go outside. I'm not no gentleman anymore, right? He gets outside. It's like, always oh, on. Throw that coat down. I mean, I'm not a businessman. I've never thrown off my coat in a fight, so I don't know what that's like, but I can imagine, <laughs> right? He throws it off because what he's saying in that moment is, I'm not a gentleman anymore. It's on, right? Throw it off. Throw off the identity that doesn't belong to you anymore. Throwing off something that doesn't fit anymore. Like this morning, trying to find clothes for the banquet tonight. <laughs> Devil is a liar. If I showed you what my bedroom room with what my bedroom looked like right now, you would be appalled. It's like, look in the mirror. Oh, no. Nope. I know it's not right. 
I know, whatever, it might fit, whatever, but it doesn't fit, okay? It's not it. Nope. Put on something. No. And when I, I don't rehang things back up, okay? I don't, I don't got time for that. <laughs> Did this happen to you this morning? <laughs> oh. Anyway, I don't, yeah. So I take it off and I throw it. I have this huge mound of clothes that don't fit. Today. They don't fit today. They fit, but they don't fit today. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> anyway, you've got to throw that off, right? You don't got time to mess with that. It's a new time. It's a new season. Old is gone. The new has come. You know, the devil is a master at counterfeit, right? He takes a truth of God and he twists it. Seems a little bit the same. Seems like it might fit, but it doesn't. It's counterfeit. And so the devil is trying to put on these false identities, this cloak of false identity that we are a beggar. We're poor. We don't have the right to come to Jesus. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. You're not a high enough leader. Whatever the cloak might be, he tries to put that on us. But you know what? The counterfeit in that is that we already have a cloak. Do you know that God has given us garments of righteousness? Okay? He's cloaked us with garments of praise. What's the other one? Why am I forgetting it? <laughs> Talking too much. I don't know. He's giving you a robe of righteousness. I think I already said that. Anyway, you already have a cloak. That's your real identity. So this other one that's on is just counterfeit. Chuck it off. Throw it off because we got to run to Jesus, right? And the cloak that God puts on us, it doesn't hinder us. It doesn't slow us down. It doesn't hold us back. It doesn't trip us up, right? It just actually propels us forward. It's like wings fly. <laughs> you know, for, for Bartimaeus, it was actually a risk to throw his cloak off. Because like I said, this was probably the only thing that he owned, right? One of his only possessions, one of his largest possessions, right? He's expecting to get healed. He's hoping to get healed. He's hoping to ultimately become a disciple of Jesus. If it doesn't work, he just lost it all. Because he's blind, he can't go find his cloak again, especially not in that crowd. You know, and he had pockets in his cloak, right, where he, where he collected the money that he was begging for, it, put it in his pocket. He throws off that cloak and that money is gone. His living is gone, right? But his expectation for what Jesus was about to do was far greater than the risk. 
His expectation of God changing his life in that moment was so much greater than the risk of losing what he had. And he chucked it off. It's the same for us, right? The risk of what we're going to lose is so much smaller than what we're about to receive. It's a new season. God is faithful to give us what we ask for. He's faithful to move. Do you think that in the new season, you're just going to be left without a cloak, without provision, without anything? No. Right? It's a new level. We just get more. We've got to throw off the old identities. We've got to throw off everything that hinders. And there's two other things about this passage that, that I want to point out um, that were significant as I read it. And one happens right before and one happens right after he throws off the cloak. And the first one is uh, they say, the people come to him and they say, um, get up. He's calling you. Take heart. Get up. He's calling you. So the first thing is, we have to wake up. Okay. Now, in the passage, it says, get up. And I know that I just told you the point is, wake up. I want you to write down, wake up. Because actually, this word, get up, doesn't mean stand up. In the Greek, this word was the same word for to awaken from your sleep or to rise from the dead. So they're saying to him, wake up from your sleep. Get up from your, from your death. We've got to be awakened, right? Without a revelation from the Holy Spirit, without a revelation from him about our cloak, about our own cloak, about what it is, right? We're sleeping, our brains are sleeping. Our spirits are sleeping. We're not awake. We're not alive. We need to wake up. We need a revelation from the Holy Spirit about what he's doing, about what this cloak is that I've been carrying, about what this false identity is that I need to throw off. We've got to wake up. We need a revelation. You know, just a few verses earlier in Mark 10, is uh, Jesus tells the parable about the, the young rich man who comes to him and says, what do I have to do to enter the kingdom of heaven? And he says, you've got to sell your possessions, sell everything and come and follow me. And he walks away because he can't do that. So here you have this rich young ruler who's got everything. And Jesus asks him to throw it off and he can't do it. And now in contrast, you have this poor beggar who has nothing. And Jesus doesn't even ask him to throw it off. He throws it off himself. He throws it off himself because he wants so desperately for a change. He wants so desperately for a transformation. He was awakened. He was a blind man in the physical, but spiritually he was awake. Right? 
I mean, I don't know if anybody in here is blind. I don't know, but most of us are not physically blind, but spiritually so often we're not awake to what we're even carrying on our backs, right? We've got to be awakened to the revelation. Otherwise, this Kairos moment might just pass. You might be hindered from getting to the new season and you don't even realize it. Okay, the second thing I wanted to point out was right after he throws off the cloak, it says, he sprang up and came to Jesus. So the second thing is we got to jump up and we got to run. It was immediate for Bartimaeus. He threw it off and he didn't pause. He didn't think about the ramifications of throwing off his cloak. He didn't think to take out his money and set it in a place where, you know, right next to the bench where he might be able to go pick it up later. He didn't think. He didn't pause. He didn't analyze the situation. He threw it off and he ran. Instantly he ran to Jesus. So often we hear the call, right? We hear God say to us, come. Or we hear other people say to us, he's calling you, right? He's calling you, get up, go, he's calling you. And we, uh, we pause, we hesitate. We, we, we get the, the tug from the Holy Spirit, but we hesitate. I gotta think first, I gotta pray first. I gotta talk to my mentor first. I gotta weigh the pros and cons first. I got to see what's going to happen if I do this and what's going to happen if I do that. And I got to see which one is better. I got to lay out all the possible scenarios. (sighs) This is what I do. But you're going to miss it. Kairos moment is not chronological. It doesn't just follow. It doesn't go in the order that you want it to. It's Kairos. It's now. Get it now. You don't have time to see. You don't have time to analyze. Because let me tell you, the pros and cons, well, there aren't any. Okay? The pro of keeping your your cloak on. What is it? There are no cons. There are no, what did I say? There are no pros to keeping your cloak on. There's only cons. It's going to hinder you. Con. It's going to slow you down. Con. It's going to trip you up and make you fall on your face. Con. Okay? Got to instantly get up and run. So for us, right now, we're in a Kairos moment. Right? The call has gone out. The call might have gone out right now. The call might have gone out for you last week. The call may have gone out at the retreat. Maybe you've been hesitating. Maybe God tugged something at your heart at the retreat and you're hesitating. You've got a cloak. You've got to throw it off. Right now, I want us to respond. Right now, immediately. He threw off the cloak and he sprang up. To spring up, to me, means joy also. It's joyful. It wasn't like he drudged himself up. He sprang up in joy, in expectation, in hope. 
We got to spring up right now. And I want us just to, we're going to pray. We're going to allow the Holy Spirit to, number one, awaken us, to reveal to us what is your cloak. Okay? Let's just pray. Everybody get into a a posture to receive. The Lord is going to speak. Just begin even praying. You can, you know, pray out loud. You can pray in your spirit. But just begin to ask the Holy Spirit, what cloak is it that I've been wearing? What is it that's been hindering me from running? Right? You don't have to run harder. You don't have to try to run better. That's not the point. You don't need to run faster. The point is you've got something hindering you. You just got to throw it off. You're already running hard. But you got to throw off the hindrance. You got to throw off the block. So let's begin to ask the Holy Spirit, what is this block that I've got? What is this cloak? What is this false identity that I've been believing that's been keeping me from getting up that makes me think that I'm not worthy to go stand before Jesus this false identity that makes me think that I can't even accept this call because I'm not qualified in our hearts right now. Holy Spirit, call us to awaken, to get up. Speak to us. I felt specifically as I was preparing this message, and it's still strong right now, I feel that the Lord is specifically highlighting the cloak of fear. That there has been a cloak of fear that has been sitting on your shoulders, weighing you down. You know that the new season is here. You know that you want to enter the new season. You know that you want to run. You know that you have this expectation for what Jesus is going to do, but it's like you can't get up. It's just weighing you down so heavy, the fear. The fear that you're going to trip if you try to run. is not yours to wear. The devil knows that this is your Kairos moment and he wants to prevent you from going there. 
He wants to prevent you from getting into the new season. He wants to prevent you from going to the next level. But this is not your cloak to wear because God has not given you a spirit of fear, but he's given you a spirit of power and of truth and of a sound mind. In the passage, it wasn't only Jesus who said, call him or come to me. It was the other brothers and sisters. It was the others around him. And Jesus said, call him, tell him to get up and come to me. It was about community. It was about family. It was about doing it together. So right now, this is a family thing. If you feel like you've got that heavy cloak of fear, I want you just to stand up. I know it feels like maybe you can't because it's scary, but we've got to, we've got to work in the opposite. If you've got a cloak of fear, the first thing you've got to do is stand up. A lot of times fear comes from fear of man, fear of failure, fear that we don't have it all together, fear that we don't have enough. But when we come together in the family, what we realize is that we have everything we need. We encourage each other, we speak to each other, and we say, I'm here right beside you. If you don't think you have enough, I've got enough to make up for what you feel like you don't have. If you feel like you can't do it, I'm here to stand by you. So what I want us to do, if, if you're around someone who's standing up right now, just lay your hands on them, pray for them, encourage them, help them to throw off the cloak of fear. And if you're standing, you need to make a declaration. Bartimaeus stood up. He ran to Jesus and Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And he declared full out, I want to receive my sight. Right now, we need to declare, God, I want to throw off this fear. I want to get to the new level. I want to go to where I know you're calling me. We got to declare it out and then we're going to pray for each other and encourage each other.